Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Do you keep up with the Kardashians? Because Khloe Kardashian, the news broke this week that ex-baby daddy Tristan Thompson, NBA player... She and he are expecting baby, baby number two, but via surrogate, and they commissioned the surrogate prior to the whole split up that happened right around Christmas with him being a baby daddy to another woman's child. So much drama to touch on for a moment here, but really kind of getting at the heart of the crisis of surrogacy and the trend in our culture to turn toward third-party reproductive technology as a means to have children in the face of fertility struggles and for some, sure, the elite who don't want to have their bodies impacted by carrying children as well. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. We're going to discuss a little later in the midst of a culture with everything from abortion, contraception, gender ideology that is just rampant across the culture, it begs the question, what is sex for? And are we able to answer that question as people of faith speaking to a secular and or a religious society? Well, we'll talk about that in just a moment here on Trending. Joining me now in just a few minutes will be Teresa Kenny. Teresa Kenny is the author of the book, The Happy Girl's Guide to Being Whole. She works as a NAPRO technology medical consultant, and she's a women's health nurse practitioner. We're going to talk about healing and treating our bodies instead of a harmful third-party reproduction, and we'll unpack five healthy tips to be happy and whole for women in particular. We're talking about healing so much of what's happening in the culture with the fallout from the sexual revolution and everything that's gone on with the various medical interventions we've chosen to disrupt natural programming of the body as the way it was designed by God. But I want to talk about when we're discussing the impact of the natural programming of the body Khloe Kardashian. So Khloe Kardashian and Tristan Thompson, the NBA star, are expecting a baby, baby number two, via a surrogate at the end of the summer. The news just broke this week that the two of them are having another baby together. However, if you didn't know, the couple is not together. Now, it's kind of interesting and somewhat confusing story, but this is fire that we're playing with, but not just fire. It's babies we're playing with, a who, not a what. You may remember back during the summer of 2020 when Chloe was on a break, I believe, I think from Tristan at, a ta- at the time perhaps, and she was a- on a dating cleanse. And she was talking about her dating cleanse. I talked to you here on the show about how her mom, Chris Jenner, was telling Chloe that she needed to have her eggs frozen because she might want to have more children later on. Well, by the end of later that year, 2020, there was an episode where Chloe and 
Tristan are talking and Chloe is starting to talk about wanting baby number two despite the separation at the time and she even said I might get some embryos and get a sibling. She told Tristan and she added I might need to borrow some sperm or get some from you but we'll figure that out later. Well lo and behold the end of 2021 in November she moved forward with a baby and the baby's dad is Tristan Thomas. Now, as you may follow the pop gossip or not, the two split up when news broke that he was a baby daddy to another woman's child in December. And news came out that even when Chloe was like basically giving birth and going through a pregnancy with their first child, which they named True, uh, that he was at the time already cheating on her. Anyways, the drama is just so stark. And you're probably wondering, well, why are we even talking about this? Well, this is one of those examples of why when we take babies out of sex and sex out of marriage, we create a lot of damage and confusion. Damage within the context of a relationship. Damage within the context of practically buying and selling children, manipulating and taking, you know, the means to do so with sperm and egg from a man and a woman to create new human life. And then just blasely talking about getting some embryos to get a sibling for your kid. And it is interesting because Khloe Kardashian is clearly someone who grew up with a larger family with lots of siblings around. And I can understand her desire to give her children or her child a sibling. But it's kind of this culture of, I want to have kids on my own terms and that will make me happy or that will be what I believe my will make my kids happy. But just because you want something, whether it be for yourself or your kid, doesn't mean it's good for them. Again, Chloe grew up with a house full of kids. She gets siblings are great. But she, like many, I think, in our culture, whether it be with regard to divorce or choosing to have a baby on your own without the mother or the father being present, people tend to just say, well, kids adapt. This is an absolute denial of a right a child has, a natural-born right a child has, to have his or her parents together bonding with those parents for their full upbringing bringing. But this also dives into the topic of surrogacy as well. Now, whether Chloe's not carrying her child because she is being considered as a geriatric mom now, which again, that's a very pro-abortion push in our culture today, as well scaring women out of having children, or whether it's because she doesn't want a pregnancy to impact her body, the reality is, is that surrogacy isn't going that well for women and the United States is one of the only places in the world that has no regulation whatsoever on surrogacy. In fact, most of the developed nation in the areas of Europe actually kind of balk at the fact that we are so anti-woman and how permissive we are with surrogacy in our nation. The reality is, is that a lot of people will joke about renting a womb via surrogacy and talk about gestational carriers, but you can't rent a woman. Because you can't rent a womb to begin with. You're renting a woman. And a woman gives and loves with her very soul. You see, surrogacy is always a matter of the heart for the woman. Even when it's entered into altruistically. 
Some people altruistically may choose to do it for a family member. I followed two really popular IVF stories over the last year. One of them was where a cousin volunteered to be the surrogate for her cousins who couldn't otherwise carry children themselves. Other story was one that was featured on Oprah where this woman couldn't have children uh, biologically or carry children biologically. And so the mother, a healthy 50-something-year-old mother, volunteered to be the surrogate. But in both situations, what we saw was postpartum depression that really impacted the women who were the so-called gestational carriers or surrogates of these children. Because women love They act generously with their whole hearts and carrying a child for nine months is a very special bonding experience meant to occur between a mother and a child, a biological mother and a child. But many people today out of desperation, I think are turning in a way to one of the oldest trades and that is the selling of their bodies. It's in many ways a form of what was more commonly prostitution for people who needed money. Today, it's increasingly become an experiment on our motherhood in the culture in general, that is surrogacy, and everything with reproductive technologies, from the research that women are willing to go through for new drugs and contraceptives, uh, from financial gains, from the fact that women are willing to go through with contraception and abortion in order to do the experiment of compromising their body and their health in order to achieve having a child. Well, whether it be selling their eggs, freezing their eggs, and the psychological harm that occurs in that, as well as surrogacy. It was really interesting. The day that I got married, the hairstylist lady that was doing my hair, my sister's hair, she was actually on medication to become a surrogate. And in talking to her, she had children of her own. She was struggling to make ends meet in Southern California and was working mostly when her husband was home with her kids. So she was trying really hard to be as present as she could be as a mom. But she had a desire to help her family more. And through surrogacy, she saw it as a means, a financial means, to help her family more as well. Now, She also had a desire to help some people who couldn't have children. Her intentions were good, financial means for her family, as well as helping others. But isn't that in a certain respect what prostitutes do? They look for a financial means to help themselves or support their families and do see, and at a certain point objectify themselves to see how they are providing some benefit or pleasure to another person. Surrogacy is seriously impacting the hearts, minds, bodies, and souls of women, their mental health. We don't even know the full impact of surrogacy on women's health, biological health. Uh, A lot of it is so new that we're still figuring it out. We do know connections to ovarian cancer and menopause for women who go through with surrogacy, among many other things. But the reality is that surrogacy is a follow-up on what contraception and abortion did in our culture, and that is contraception and abortion separated sex from children. They're anti-woman and anti-child, and that's what surrogacy is. You can't rent a woman, you can't rent a womb, because the reality is a woman gives and loves with her whole heart, body, mind, and soul. And this is why women are being seriously damaged by the surrogacy industry. No one's talking about it. It may be glamorized by pop sensations or by people who struggle with fertility. And we see these sensational stories online where we want to cheer for people because they're having children when they otherwise might not have been able to. 
but it's not the healthiest choice for people. That's why joining me now to talk about real solutions for people who are struggling with fertility is Teresa Kenny. I want to talk about healing and treating our bodies instead of turning toward third-party reproductive technologies that are so damaging and no one's telling the truth about them. Many people are going into debt for third-party reproductive technologies. I was just following a woman recently who finally did have a baby, but it was after three rounds of surrogacy of IVF, I think seven rounds of implantation of babies, and it's just been an absolute mess. And hearts are breaking and hurting over this, but there are real solutions out there. So Teresa Kenny is a women's health nurse practitioner and a naprotechnology medical consultant. She recently wrote an awesome book. You have to pick it up. We'll post the link on social media as well as in the podcast notes. It's called The Happy Girl's Guide to Being Whole. And she has a podcast known as The Hormone Genius. Teresa Kenny, welcome back to Trending. Thanks, Timory. It's great to be back with you. Now, when I was uh, about maybe 10 months married, we knew because I had polycystic ovarian syndrome and Hashimoto's disease, and obviously I didn't get pregnant right away, and we knew that pregnancy was going to be difficult for us going into things, people right away started telling me, well, why haven't you tried IVF? And this was 10 months into being married, uh, and I was just astounded by how many people were quick to offer that idea as the solution and it spoke volumes to kind of where we're at as a culture Teresa and not actually looking into what is impacting women's body so I would love to hear from you what untreated women's health concerns are leading women to turn to IVF and surrogacy today it's such a a big big change that we have um, that has happened since the sexual revolution and I like the way Jennifer Roback Morris of the Ruth Institute puts it as you know, these are sexual revolution survivors, and many women are. And, you know, I love thinking about stories when I talk about this. But, you know, a couple months ago, I had a patient that came to me because she had had a couple miscarriages. And I started, you know, digging deeper and asking her questions. And we got to the point of, you know, what are your menstrual cycles like? What have they been like since you were young? And she looked at me kind of confused. And she's like, actually, she's like, I was on birth control since I was 15 for acne and I've been on birth control ever since until I had the, the miscarriages. She said, I don't even know what to tell you. And so, you know, it got, it was so eye opening. you know, she had been on multiple forms of birth control and, and, and shots and all of these things. And she didn't have even a sense of what her normal body function was. And so when it came to trying to figure out what her fertility issue was, you know, she had already been offered, like you said, Timory, IVF, but she intuitively kind of had been learning about more holistic things. She's like, I just don't think that's the right uh, pathway to go. And she heard about me in my office and came to talk to me. But when a woman doesn't even have the opportunity to know her own fertility, then how do we help women understand how to even go into a situation like infertility? when they have no identity in their own fertility to begin with. And that's what the culture of contraception has done. Right. They wouldn't even know that something could be wrong. They just, with their fertility, they just think it's broken. So let's look to other solutions instead of saying, okay, something's going wrong here. How do we rebalance my health to achieve health and wholeness for me and then potentially a child as well? 
Yeah. So, you know, women, again, I always say we have to ground women back in a foundation of who they are. You know, we, we talk a lot about in Christianity identity and, you know, who we are as in, a, in the form of the human person made as male and female. And we really do have to go back to the foundation because that we've been disassociated from in the sexual revolution. Like you said, you know, we have a situation where people try to have sex without babies and then we try to have babies without sex. And it's like we forgot what the natural way of having babies was. Um, and so we have to go back to the foundation. And this is why I wrote the book, of course, because young women never get the opportunity to know their bodies. There is something about identity and understanding and being integrated into your body that allows people to actually really become educated, informed, and make better decisions. And when we have lost that identity, we're disassociated with our own ability to procreate, we end up making decisions we probably never would have um, out of desperation, like mm -hmm. you said, out of a desire to have children. Teresa, you mentioned that just simply being on birth control for a number of years can lead to women thinking they need to turn to IVF. Uh, but there are other uh, common health issues where many people think it's a sentence to never having children, including things such as endometriosis that we hear a lot about, PCOS and thyroid issues. Can you talk about especially endometriosis and how this is what many people are, it's leading them to turn to in vitro fertilization. I think of the well known story of Julianne Huff, who was on Dancing with the Stars. Um, she was in the remake of one of those old dance movies I'm forgetting. Uh, she dated Ryan Seacrest for mm -hmm. years, and then she got married, and her marriage fell apart. And if you follow the story, her her and her husband adored each other, but everything started to follow, fall apart when they started working through this in vitro fertilization uh, process because she had had, for years, endometriosis. So how does NAPRO technology help with treating endometriosis, and can it be a possibility toward having children? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, endometriosis is a disease that affects one in 10 women, and it often takes, you know, up 10 years or more to get a diagnosis. It is so unfortunate because this is a physical disease that can be treated and treated correctly. But when women are often given these suppressive medications for years, it doesn't, it, it doesn't reveal the, the disease that was present. So in the case of Jillian Huff, she probably had it for years, but may have been on birth control. I don't know her story, but oftentimes it's band-aided or masking over the true symptoms of what's occurring. If we approach the woman's body and we actually try to find the underlying root cause of what's occurring, you know, causing infertility, we will find things like endometriosis and we can correct them. But endometriosis can't be covered up with medicine. It really needs to be taken care of surgically. And the good news is that NAPRO technology uh, surgeons that have been trained to treat that disease correctly and well can remove it and really cure a woman of that disease so that her chances of having her own child go up dramatically. But I've seen so many cases where women go to doctors that are not trained, and oftentimes they may tell them they have endometriosis, but they do the surgery and then they do it incorrectly. And then they tell them they still need to be on birth control or some other medication to suppress it. And that doesn't make sense in any way. It'd be like if someone told you you had cancer and they went in and said, well, we got 30%, we left the rest and we hope that chemo takes care of it. And you're looking at your surgeon saying, well, why wouldn't you just take out 100% of the tumor? 
Because right. if that's what's causing the disease, then we want to treat it and treat it right. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit to polycystic ovarian syndrome known as PCOS and thyroid issues. So I have um, my PCOS it has been reversed and my thyroid issues, my Hashimoto's disease is in remission. Praise the Lord. I'm so grateful. And NAPRO physicians were part of the journey of helping to go through that healing. Uh, but, you know, for me, it's something that had I not, you know, worked on and also been very prayerful and trusting to God as well in the process. Um, and I did receive anointing of the sick and got pregnant two weeks later. I have to include that part of the story as well because it's an important part. But I think all of these pieces together, I saw how, you know, my story very easily could have been one where, okay, I couldn't have children because I didn't clean up my diet. You know, I didn't, I didn't um, take the right things to help to get better. And yet many women with PCOS and thyroid issues are put on birth control for years and never have their thyroid issues diagnosed. And yet these seem to be actually often very simple things to be treated with NAPRO technology that in most cases, women really are capable of having children with PCOS and thyroid issues. I completely agree, and I, and I treat both of those conditions weekly, and I, and I do think that it's easy to treat in many ways and to help people get to the point where they naturally can conceive. Not every case is easy, but many of them are. So if you can, you know, again, I, I think of so many women that come to me, and it's almost like you see their tears of joy, because for the first time ever, someone listened to them and, and, and actually is going to do something about it as well. When you know, in traditional women's health, many times it's kind of this, you're fine, you just, you know, just keep taking it. Um, well, maybe you need an antidepressant. Um, you know, they're, they're not listened to, women are not listened to. So, so many women experience the opposite when they go to a practitioner of NAPRA technology. And PCOS, I, I will often say to, to women, hey, you know, because they're terrified, is this going to prevent me from having a baby? And I look at them, if I could choose any condition to treat for infertility, I would choose PCOS because it is something that can be treated easily and reversed in some cases, like you said, by doing the proper cooperative management of the body and the cycle. And thyroid, I love that you mentioned Hashimoto's because many women have autoimmune thyroid. It's what causes 80% of thyroid issues in women. And we don't under, we don't reveal that diagnosis to people. Because there are many lifestyle things and important things that women can do to help heal their own thyroid. And there are many women that are undertreated for their thyroid condition. And that's something I'm very careful and passionate about because women deserve to be treated right and well in any condition that they have. If you have a question for Teresa Kenny, you can send it now to me on Instagram on social media, or give us a call. The number is 1-888-914-9149. Happy to take uh, any women's health issues, especially surrounding fertility, infertility, and underlying health issues for women. Um, Teresa, are there any other leading uh, causes that many are leading women to turn to IVF and surrogacy that are treatable, especially by NAPRO technology? Yes, there are. I mean, there are, you know, conditions um, of just the kind of function of the uterus. You can say certain things can kind of in the anatomy uh, be wrong and corrected. Um, there are uh, issues surrounding just hormonal changes, low progesterone, low estrogen, estrogen dominance. All of these things can only be properly treated when you know how to have a woman understand how to chart her cycle and you can actually do proper hormone testing. 
which is really hard to find. But hormonal imbalances can be corrected, and that will help the fertility of the woman. You can actually identify ovulation disorders by using correct ultrasound techniques, and that can be treated in the woman. And then there's the issue of male factor infertility. And, you know, oftentimes um, in, you know, IVF clinics or fertility clinics, they will have men use masturbation to collect a semen sample. But we have found that you can actually collect it in an ethical way using a medical grade kit or condom. And we can allow couples to get the information about the male fertility as well. And it's ethical and we can treat those issues um, too. The last mm -hmm. thing I would say is that many women are given this test that is called the AMH, which is anti-malarian hormone, and often told that they have old eggs or no eggs or low eggs. And this can seem devastating and often told the only option for you is IVF. But we've seen many patients that that is not true. That again, if you get to these underlying root causes of their hormonal imbalances, their physical imbalances, and correct all of the things that you see that are there, women can still have natural pregnancies. That actually reminds me of when I first started going to my natural physician. She gave me a handout from day one said, okay, here are things while we're working on everything else to improve egg and sperm quality. And I think that's just something people don't talk about in basic supplements, minor diet mm -hmm. changes that if you want to have children, you should be willing to make. But just circling back really briefly, you mentioned that the male factor of infertility that is growing in society today. We know that men are producing half the amount of sperm they were before. And many of these um, were seeing a difficulty with consent receiving children, but you mentioned the use of condom and the um, abstraction of of a sperm in the context of a moral context, just to be clear, using mm -hmm. condoms in the mm -hmm. sexual act from the Catholic Church's perspective is not acceptable. This would be an e extreme example of an exception in the case of still keeping the marital act together for pr specifically procuring the semen for the context specifically of well, monitoring it for me... health reasons. And we'll also come in just a moment to discuss, I know we have some questions coming in, Teresa, about how people can find this treatment if they're working with fertility and infertility. Teresa Kenny, we're posting links to her books on social media, and we'll come back answering your questions and continue to unpack this topic and five healthy tips for how women can be happy, healthy, and whole. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. For taking your fertility and infertility related questions, my guest right now is Teresa Kenny. She's a women's health nurse practitioner and a NAPRO technology medical consultant helping people to treat their underlying women's health concerns in particular, even touching a little bit on male fertility and infertility as well. Teresa, we were talking just a moment ago about male infertility and how that is a growing a concern and struggle in infertility struggles today. And you were talking about the use of 
of how in most um, clinics that are treating uh, fertility, they tend to encourage the engagement of masturbation in order to collect a semen sample. Now, the church, this is something the church explicitly teaches against, and you're using the example of how there's an ethical way uh, to collect semen, which gets into some of the moral nitty-gritty, but can you explain why there's an ethical way and how that's done uh, by our Catholic nafro physicians that we have? Right. So yeah, and, and I spent years at St. Paul VI working with patients um, to to use these kits. And it, there is a clarification about, you know, the medical grade condom. We actually, in order to make it truly ethical by the Catholic Church, we actually make two to three small holes in the condom and um, using kind of a medical uh, grade needle. That way it is open to life. So no, there's no contraceptive act. And we actually know that it is open to life because there is one case where someone actually conceived still. Um, but we still find that you get really accurate data on the male fertility as well. So it is purely eth ethical and it works for providers to treat male factor infertility, which like you said, has been an increasing concern. And of course we know there's all sorts of endocrine system disruptors and more toxins yes. and and you know all sorts of things that we're worrying about are affecting fertility in men and women, but particularly sperm development. I'd like to give, in fact, on that note, a brief teaser of your book. At the conclusion of your book, you talk about five healthy tips to be happy and whole for women. And it even touches on the idea of the endocrine disruptors that we have. And I'd love to run through those five tips because I think they summarize and you need to read the book. You can't just go for the tips here. Um, orienting ourselves in the right direction when it comes to our health as women, our future fertility, our current fertility. And it's so important. This is what I love about the book. Every teenager, every college student should read this. But also if this information is new to you and you're a woman in your childbearing years still cycling, you need to pick up this book. It's called The Happy Girl's Guide to Being Whole. Young women in particular need to be empowered with this information. This is real feminism when we talk about it. Knowledge is power. And so so, Teresa, let's walk through that list. The first thing that you mentioned is that women need to learn about their cycles and fertility. And where can women start? And if you can mention where people can go if they're struggling with their fertility as well. Yeah, I mean, you can start, I mean, just by obviously picking up this book, but and there's so much information available, actually, about the cycle. You know, there is a trend towards holistic feminism, really. Um, but, you know, one easy place to start for a young woman would be uh, FEM, F-E-M-M. -M. Um, there's an app. They have some initial classes that young women can go through just to get the start with it. There's Creighton model teachers that teach young women. There's Marquette teachers that offer classes for young women who are single. There is so much information available. So really it takes, in many ways, sometimes a Google search, although you want to make sure you get the right information. But uh, for those seeking a medical provider to help them learn more about their fertility, but maybe to dig into a medical issue, which is so common. I mean, I don't know any woman that practically didn't have something, you know, acne, uh, you know, irregular cycles, mm -hmm. uh, ovarian cysts, pain, cramps. So almost everybody deals with this. For those people who are looking for a holistic practitioner, you can go to uh, fertilitycare.org under the medical consultants tab um, that's under NAPRO technology. You can go to FACTS Fertility and they have a list of medical practitioners. You can go to um, FAM 
nature-based.org, uh, who has a list of other um, natural fertility method instructors. Um, there is, uh, oh, managingyourfertility.com, another great source, managingyourfertility.com. Um, and the USCBC uh, has a great site with all of the um, lists of natural family planning providers and lots of other information um, on this as well. And we'll include a full link of that in the podcast notes. We'll get that from Teresa and share some of them. We're posting some now on social media now too, but be sure to check those out. We do have some of these resources as well in my Instagram link always on Instagram because I know that this is a source of concern for many people. It's a growing concern and you never know when it will be that you encounter someone who's struggling with fertility. I can tell you the day we were buying our car, the woman who was selling us her car had been struggling with fertility for five years. We've had friends, family members, strangers. You have no idea when you have this information, the random strangers you will run into and you prayerfully sit there and think about just passing this little piece of information on, leaving it there and walking away and how many people's lives have been changed. I remember when I was just a little girl. I remember hearing, you know, vaguely the circumstances of what was happening. But uh, my ice skating coach, she was struggling with fertility. My mom helped her get in contact with a NAPRO physician, and she was able to have children after years of infertility. And so these resources for achieving pregnancy but treating our health, like you said, Teresa, from acne to uncomfortable periods, you name it, it's so important. Let's talk about lifestyle and how important lifestyle is and some of those changes that you discuss in the book that need to be made for all women. Mm -hmm. Well, first, you know, everybody thinks of nutrition as probably kind of the most obvious thing that we can look at change. Um, what we put in our bodies certainly is so important. And so looking at nutrition, you know, in the book, we just simply focus on uh, getting processed foods out of the diet, getting um, sugar that's um, processed out of the diet, focusing on good, healthy protein, healthy fats, fruits and vegetables, and lots of water. I mean, they're kind of the basics, but we always need to remind ourselves of that, especially in such a highly processed, sugar palatable society that we live in. And then, you know, we've got to look at maybe toxins that we're exposed to. They're just, the reality is they're ever more present. So if we can reduce the toxins in our makeup and our cleaners that we use in our house and what we put on our hair, our shampoo or conditioner, and, you know, a great resource is the Environmental Working Group. Um, they have a list of things that are more organic that can be used. And just trying to breathe clean air, you know, avoiding kind of air that, it, you know, you can usually smell fumes. If you're smelling something, it's going into your body. And obviously, you know, just exercising and taking care of your body, you know, we, we all need to be reminded that we only get one body and one life, praise God, that we have been given this beautiful life and we really need to take care of our temple. Praise God. These are such good reminders. I mean, I know some people, you know, dairy, they might not be allergic, but dairy really does impact their cycle and their health and their mood and how they feel. You know, everyone has a different routine for, you know, certain types of exercise can be too intense for some bodies and others can be mm -hmm. really great. And so it's a matter of knowing your body and not assuming what works for the person who runs five miles a day does not work for me. I am not a runner. I highly admire the practice and the discipline 
but that's not for me. I, and I think that sometimes being okay with that and fitting into those right exercise and food routines are so important in this lifestyle area. Teresa, the third thing you mentioned is remembering your feminine genius. And this gets into the wholeness of our health as women. Can you talk a little bit to how this is so important when it comes to our you know, biological health, but spiritual health? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I love the way Leah Jacobson, you know, the she's an editor to my book and founder of the Guiding Star Project. She likes to talk about the female superpowers, ovulation, gestation and lactation. And, and those are kind of physical words, this ability of our female bodies to do these incredible things, incredible things to bring life into the world. But I love the idea of also focusing on kind of the hormones. And we have a great podcast on this where we just talk about the hormone superpowers and how estrogen is an incredible, uh, powerful hormone to allow women to express themselves, to be creative, to be a leader in this country. And then we have the parts of um, our female person that allows us to be so compassionate and so caring and to bring community together. And I think we need to remember those things and remember the beauty and the genius of women and, and know that we're different than men. And of course, they have their own creatable, incredible superpowers as well that work together as a team then, that we complement each other in that. And that's really what really focusing on the feminine genius is, is seeing ourselves in our own identity, but recognizing other people's gifts as well. Another thing you talk, talk about is after understanding that gift of who we are as women, understanding that in the midst of all of that, it's so easy to talk down on ourselves and our culture, but knowing how good we are. Yeah, you were made good. You were made beautiful. And it's hard sometimes to hear that in a world so focused and obsessed on ego and body and uh, the desire to just do what we want. Um, we need to slow down and we need to see that spiritual side of ourselves. There is truth there that I think we all recognize and, um, you know, just believing in yourself. I mean, you, like you said, not every person needs to do the same thing. Everybody's different. It starts with an awareness. And, and we have a lack of awareness. And so I, identifying with the goodness of yourself is really a beautiful thing to, to focus on. Uh, the final thing that you list is contemplating our origin, our purpose, and destiny. And I think this is so important within the context of our health from struggling with acting to going through that transition of hormones and being interested in the opposite sex or struggling through everything from marriage and having a child, trying to conceive, postpartum, you know, all of that journey that women go through, understanding the beginning, middle, and end in the grand scheme of things is so helpful and so just getting stuck in this moment. Yeah, it's so true. And, it, and, you know, the book, of course, you know, is meant to reach everyone. So I, I try not to speak about religion directly, because I want women to, to kind of come to it in a truth, maybe at a different level. But this is why I use these words, origin, purpose and destiny, because we all know we came from somewhere. We all believe that we have a purpose in life. Sometimes it's confusing, and we don't know where we're going with our purpose. But we desire that. I don't think any human person doesn't understand that. And we all want a destiny. We may, again, not know where our roadmap is taking us. But gosh, if, you know, and this is where Christianity and the Catholic faith is so beautiful because the teachings of the church give us that roadmap. And our destiny is heaven. Our destiny is eternal joy. And of course, if we have that and we have that joy, we want to share it with others. 
And so the goal is to slowly bring people back into their identity, slowly allow them to feel that I was made for something more. I'm made for something more. And in the end, I deserve something in eternal, eternal happiness. That's Teresa Kenny, author of the book that every young woman needs to have, but should be in our resource library, a happy, The Happy Girl's Guide to Being Whole. Posted a link on social media. Follow me at Timmery. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. You can also check out Teresa Kenny's podcast, Hormone Genius. I'll post a link as well. I tagged her on Instagram, The Hormone Genius. Teresa Kenny, thank you so much for joining us. So helpful in unpacking much of the crisis today surrounding women's health, real solutions to everything from the culture of abortion and contraception and the fallout and the after math of all of that including infertility you're listening to trending with tim right here on relevant radio as we're in the midst of this entire conversation about women's health overturning of roe versus wade gender ideology after we're off the heels of the intensity of this year's pride month we have to ask the question what is sex for and can we answer that question to a young person a peer secular religious let's talk about it here on trending i'll be right back We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We've been talking a lot recently about our crisis pregnancy centers. And just I wanted to mention briefly our crisis pregnancy centers. You may have heard some of which have been heavily vandalized and damaged through anti life protesters people who are willing to damage the most pro-woman clinics in the nation but many have not been damaged they have been safe and secure but that's after massive precautions some of which including over $150,000 in resources implementing round-the-clock security guards uh, camera uh, photo systems uh, everything they need to to keep their clinics safe and defended against attack. And so there was a testimony of one crisis pregnancy center director this week in California who said she spent $150,000 worth of resources. Why do this? I bring this up because our pregnancy resource centers are the heartbeat of the pro-life movement. They are helping women in need. We need to be referring women there, have resources for these pregnancy resource centers in our schools, in our churches, in our community, make sure our kids know them. And also be financially supporting these centers as well, especially right now while they're under such great attack, asking what they need. They don't always necessarily need the financial support. They don't always necessarily need diapers, but finding out how can we help today. So just a reminder to be connected with your local crisis pregnancy center to help it be a resource to your community and for you to be a resource to that center as well for women. As we've been in the midst of this debate surrounding abortion after the overturning of Roe versus Wade and everything surrounding the gender ideology movement, especially after last month where we experienced this radical uh, push in particular for the LGBTQ movement, it really begs the question, what is sex even for? What is intimacy for? Because I think if we can't answer this question, 
we have a problem. You know, earlier we were talking about infertility, in vitro fertilization, you know, the news that Khloe Kardashian's having another baby with her ex-boyfriend, who's also her baby daddy now twice. The whole thing has become such a mess. We've taken sex outside of marriage. We've taken babies out of sex. Now we're trying to have babies without sex. I mean, all of this has created this massive fallout. You know, I look at the story of Khloe Kardashian and having this child with someone who's not even in her life other than cooperating on co-parenting with their four-year-old daughter, True, that they had together. And the whole thing is so bewildering. And yet we have to be able to answer that question. What is intimacy for? Now, the Catholic Church teaches, and we don't always have to say, depending on who we're talking to, that this is what the church teaches. But if it's someone where this teaching at the start of a conversation would be valuable and say it. But there have been so many moments when I've been in front of the abortion clinic or talking to a high schooler or uh, in the crisis pregnancy center and they not knowing my religious beliefs, I shared with them what the church teaches without telling them it's what the church teaches. And then in the end, I maybe, you know, pry after sharing it with them and they share that it makes sense. I share with them, well, you know, do you have any religious belief in you know, if they do, it makes sense when they understand this is the design that God has for the human person. And part of that has to do with the design God has for intimacy. That procreation is oriented or intimacy is oriented toward having children and raising them well-rounded individuals as excellent human beings. And to be an excellent human being, it means a person who thrives, not just in receiving a great college education, the best Montessori school, or whatever it might be, but that they are well-rounded people of good character, God-seeking, who know truth. The church teaches that every act is meant to be both, sexual act is meant to be both unitive and procreative. Uh, This is what we understand in the teaching of Humana Vitae and the church's handed down teaching over the centuries, understanding what intimacy is all about between one man and one woman oriented toward being fruitful and multiplying as God commanded. And so, When we take that unitive dimension of the good of the spouses and the procreative dimension, the capacity to have children out of the context of marriage, we start to do major damage to a woman, who she is, who her identity is, how she relates to men, how she relates to herself, how she values herself, and how she sees herself before God And the same for a man. A man loses his sense of purpose and God-given identity, his mission, his orientation. All of that is lost when we lose the intimacy is meant to unite for the good of spouses because it helps to keep spouses together and it confuses us when we bring it into a relationship that isn't a marital relationship yet. And it also can create children which help to create more excellent men and women who are raising those children, or at least should. This is why it's always fascinating to see that many people, as they start having children, tend to turn a little bit more so to God and views on the world that have to do with a greater sense of morality and the intention God had for the world and how human people interact with each other. 
Humana Vitae, the great teaching of Pope St. John Paul II that came out in the end of the 60s, talks about the role of parents as responsible parents. Why? Because this is what the church has always taught, that procreation, that intimacy has to do with that potency of having children and the great responsibility that is there. This is what is so wrong with surrogacy. You can't rent out a womb. You can't just rent out a woman because a woman gives all of herself, body, soul, mind, heart. And so when a woman goes through and volunteering to be a surrogate, she's so gravely damaged by the loss of that child, even if it was through an altruistic gift wanting to help a couple struggling with fertility or even an altruistic desire to help provide for her family. I was talking earlier about how surrogacy is turning in a different way to the oldest profession that women have turned to out of desperation. It really is a, a new form, a different type of form of prostitution. I explained earlier in the show the connection of how we see that. I hope you'll listen if you missed that segment. The podcast is always up later in the evening. You can find it at relevantradio.com forward slash trending or wherever you catch your podcast. We are there. But when I was really thinking about this, when we explain what intimacy is for, it's meant for the good of the spouses and to the procreation and education of children. Can we express that? Can we help people to see that in every primitive culture every culture there's been some form of a regulating body or norm in those cultures having to do with marriage guiding and directing the relationships between men and women why so as to provide a safety net a good healthy environment for a child and for the parents who can engage in the beautiful reciprocity of the gift of companionship and intimacy and long-term life, long-term life together. Now, it's interesting because even in international law and in the United Nations documents, if you look into any of this, it still states, even in the midst of the permissiveness of so much of what's happening in the world about surrogacy and adoption and, and gender and the LGBTQ debate and abortion, Still in international law and UN documents, a child has a right to be known and cared for by their biological parents. Why are these things still a part of what we've known for years in law and in culture and primitive societies? Because the family is at the heart of society and that is what intimacy is oriented toward. This is why when I read things such as St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body, especially where he says that the human person must rediscover the lost fullness of humanity and want to regain it, this is what we need to do when it comes to intimacy. What is sex for? Well, that's what we help to rediscover, the gift of children, reorienting ourselves to the fullness of the human person and what God originally designed. He says at one point in the theology of the body, St. John Paul II says, the dignity and balance of human life depends at every moment of history and in every longitude and latitude upon who man will be for women and who women will be for men. What does that mean? He says, the balance of the very world and nation is dependent in every longitude and latitude 
upon how we interact with one another as men, as women, we can either lead to a greater cultural and international fallout when it comes to our identities, motherhood and fatherhood, the ability or inability to have children, or we can rediscover the great gift of how God created us and the great capacity and potential we have with the very gift of our lives and the gift of intimacy.